Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Impossible Podcast, the podcast where I interview athletes and entrepreneurs about pushing their limits and doing the impossible so you can get inspired to get out there and push your own limits and do something impossible yourself. Today's guest is Christine GZ. Christine, or Chris as we like to call her, is a rally car and off-road driver. She's from the Canary Islands, but splits her time between Barcelona and LA. And so I was able to run into her in LA, fresh off a recent race at the Baja 1000. And we talk everything from how she got interested in the sport, the ins and outs of rally racing, and how it differs from off-road racing, which is what she's focused on right now, and what she had to give up in order to make her dreams happen. She's an awesome interview. I was really excited we were able to make this happen on such a last-minute basis. But before we get into the interview... First, if you guys want to support the show, go ahead on over to iTunes, leave a five-star rating and review. It helps us keep doing more podcasts, keeps the show going, and helps us reach more people. Also, if you want to be pushing your limits yourself, go on over to impossiblegear.com and pick up an Impossible shirt. It's awesome, comfortable gear designed to help you inspire you to push your limits and do something impossible. I got to warn you, if uh, you do pick up a shirt after this episode, you may or may not be tempted to go buy a dune buggy and race across the entire width of Mexico. It might happen. It might not, but it probably will. So check it out, impossiblegear.com. Go pick something off your impossible list, wear a shirt, and go do something impossible. Also, check out Movil app, 10-minute mobility routines designed to help you get stronger, get faster, and start moving well. We have a lot of things coming up with Movil here soon, guys. So we're going to be adding a ton of things to the app here in the next few months. And uh, I've got a lot of really exciting plans that I'm going to be sharing with you guys here very, very very soon. So check it out, movableapp.com, 10-minute mobility routines. Uh, If you guys aren't doing mobility, you're cheating yourself, you're not performing as well as you could be. And even if you're not doing a lot of work and you're just sitting down all day, working on your business, working on your side hustle, you need to do it because it's going to help fix your hips, fix your back, and help you start moving well. Check it out, movableapp.com. It's free to download. Also, check out startablog.com. Startablog.com is our initiative to help 10,000 people start a blog. Starting a blog was the most impactful thing I've ever done in helping me figure out what the internet was, how to get started. And it also helped me start figuring out how to formulate my own thoughts, become a better writer, and then actually start writing my own life like a story. So check it out, startablog.com. We will help you get started with a blog for free and give you $300 worth of bonuses. Check it out, startablog.com and start your blog today. All right, guys, that's it for announcements. Let's get into my interview with Christine Jeezy. All right, guys, here I am with Christine Jeezy. She's a race car driver who just finished the Baja 1000 in Mexico. Thanks for coming on the show. Hola a todos. Good afternoon, everyone. So we met in Barcelona at some party, like kickoff party. I don't party. I don't know what you're talking no, about. No, w- we weren't partying. We met at the party. But we decided to keep it going with the disco music in the background, apparently. Yeah, we decided that we just cannot let go of this party thing. Yeah. The, uh, the perils of doing a portable podcast studio is that uh, sometimes you get to do them in cool places. And sometimes the cool places have really loud music, but they can't turn down. So... Sorry about that. <laughs> so if you don't hear us, we're just dancing. Yeah, yeah. We're going to have dance breaks every 10 minutes. Mandatory. Uh, awesome. So I uh, so we were met. I was like, 
oh, what do you do? And usually when you meet, you know, people out uh, at these events, you're like, okay, accountant, some other guy. Christine's like, oh, I'm a, I'm a race car driver. And uh, even the guy here at uh, our undisclosed location in West Hollywood, uh, I told him I was interviewing athletes and entrepreneurs, and he asked, oh, what do you play? And uh, she's like, I don't play. I, I race cars. And so my biggest question on that is, like, that was a big surprise from my angle. So, like, how do you even get started in race car driving as a female? I don't know if you like that question or not, but, like, what's the, what's the background? What's the story there? And then... Uh, we can talk about what you're doing right now. Okay, first of all, I hope you guys don't fall asleep because this is a very long story. So, <laughs> and I hope you have time. No, I mean, uh, normally, they always ask me this question because normally everyone starts because ideally your family, your father, whatever, they're into racing. So they kind of, you know, set you up to that. And well, in my case, it was completely different because no one in my family likes racing or knows about racing. Um, and I don't know why I like always loved cars, but... It, it just was something like really weird, you know. I had like little mm, Subarus in my room, and all like the door was full of like cars everywhere. So people would come in my house and like look at my mom and be like, "Oh, you have a son," you know? <laughs> and she's like, "Yes, Cristino." <laughs> so it's always been something strange, but nothing really, you know. You never got into the competition. So until this day that I was, uh, my parents separated. So my mom went to live in another island. I used to be in Canary Islands, which is some lost island from Africa really Spanish but they're like in Africa so kind of weird so there's nothing to do there I just used to surf and be hippie and one day I was having dinner no shoes in my house and suddenly I hear and I'm like hmm what's that so like I run outside my dog was following me I get onto this like little wall we have on, on, on the garden I sit there and, I, and I'm like I see this yellow thing running off I'm like what the heck is that and I just I was so like I don't know, shocked about this thing that I was just like, okay, I'm going to wait until it comes back. And I waited and waited and waited. And like two hours later, the car passes again. So I realized it's a Corolla from 1989. And I was like, wow. But again, you don't know what it is. You don't know what's a rally car at that time. So it was just like something crazy that happened. So I decided every day to go out at the same time and see if this Corolla would come back. Until one day it did. And, and I was like, okay, I need to do something. So the time that he came back, I just went in the middle of the road and I'm like, eventually he's going to run me off or, you know, or stop. So that's what happened. He stopped. He ran, he ran you over. Yeah, he ran over. Oh. <laughs> Almost. The co-driver came down the car and um, Canarian, it's like Spanish, but way more, I don't know, like weird language, okay? So he was like in Canarian saying like, what the fuck are you doing in the middle of the road, you crazy blonde girl? <laughs> and I was like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I just want to get into the car. And the guy was like, what? <laughs> I'm like, please, 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 can I sit in the car? And the guy was like, uh... So he looks inside, goes to the driver. This fucking crazy blonde girl was... Sorry for the bad words. Yeah, you're <laughs> good, you're good. playing the whole... <laughs> and like, he was just in the car. And I'm like, and the guy was like, okay. So I, he literally just says, okay, come in. So I go, I sit, I had no shoes. My dog followed me and I was like so excited. And then... This guy goes, like, I'm like, hi, my name is Christina, nice to meet you, I love cars and this and that. And the guy was just looking at me like, what? And then he goes, what about your dog? And I'm like, what dog? Like, I completely forgot about my dog. <laughs> and so he was in the middle of the road, I'm like, okay, go home, go home. And basically that's it. That was my first, like, mm, approach to racing. And since then, it's like my chip changed. Like, I knew that's what I wanted. 
you know, all your life, like all the time, my mom was like, oh, your friends, want, she wants to be a doctor, the other one wants to be a whatever, a lawyer, and you, you're just a hippie surfer, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I really, really felt like that because I didn't want to do anything, I didn't like anything, I just liked surfing and driving my car to surf, and that's it. So at that time, when this thing came in my life, it was like, I know I want this, and I didn't know what it was. How old are you? I, I was it? 17. So I didn't drive yet. I had like this little 50cc car, you know. I don't know if it exists over here, but it's, it's like a piece of plastic with a bike engine. and, and you just, So, because in Europe you can drive at 18. Anyway, so so yeah, since then, after I asked this guy, can I have your phone number? Like, can I come and like see the car and this and that? And the guy was such a weird guy, like such a, I don't know, like distant, you know, and super mm, in, in, invertido, you say? Uh, he uh, is an uh, introvert. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and so he was like, uh, no... <laughs> and I'm like, okay, <laughs> bye. <laughs> and after that moment, so the next day I'm like, no, I need to find this car. I need to see what what's this about. So I started walking on my road and I, hours and hours until I found the garage with a Corolla. So I said, you know what? I'm going in. So I went in the house. I jumped the, the gate, by the way, because it was closed. Don't do this, okay? And I got in and I just knocked on the door. And then this lady comes out and she's like, hi, darling. And like, you know, who are you? And, and I'm like, hi, uh, I am friends of your son. And she was like, oh, daddy, cool. And I'm like, cool. Yeah, that's and, him. Yeah. That's him. And she was like, come in, have a coffee. And I was like, oh, fuck, I'm fucked. So I just went in. I had this coffee with her. And she's like, oh, he's coming back from work now. You know, you can wait him here. I'm like, cool. You had to see the face of him when he arrived. He was like, what the hell is she doing in my house? <laughs> but um, yeah, then I just got in the garage with him. I said I was really sorry because he was just like really, really scared of this whole thing. And then I'm like, I'm sorry. I really want to know more about this. I really want to you know, understand what it... So he explained me that he was a race car driver, like locally, you know, and that he, he prepared this Corolla in his garage. So I started going every day to his garage and help him out. So at the beginning, I was just watching. And then one day he's like, oh, you know, you should change a tire. And I started changing tires. And then I started like buying books on mechanics and and started learning about it. And then, I don't know, I started getting like really into it. And then one day he said, you know, why don't you prepare your own car? And I'm like, yeah, like I had literally no money. I was working in a bar and surfing. So that was my life. I would earn maybe 600 euros a month, you know, and that's how I would live with and he's like, well, you can, if you build it yourself from like nothing, it's going to be cheap. And I'm like, okay. So I spent like, I don't know, 300 bucks in a, in a chassis. Like it's a, just the nothing, yeah, the skeleton of the car. And, and that's how we started. I started in, he gave me like a piece of land and I started working on the car. Every day I would go up, I started learning to weld and I don't know, like painting and whatever. Just the car was all the skills, yeah. horrendous, it was horrible. Yeah. It was a Golf, a MK2, okay. also 1988. It was a shit piece of car. But um, it was my car, you know, I was really excited. And then obviously all this situation kind of fall out of hand. So I kind of got home super late and then had to go to work. And so I was never home. So one day I arrive and I see my mom sitting on the sofa, like waiting for me. And I'm like, hey, mom, sorry, I need to go to work. And she's like, Christine, no, please, we need to talk. And she's like crying. And I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> and I'm like, eh, yes. So she's like, what's happening? You're like, like, what are you doing? Why do you come late so dirty and so late? And, and I was like, uh, what am I going to tell her? So I started thinking like, oh, my God, if I tell her I'm into race cars, she's already depressed with the, with the separation of my dad. I was like, you know, so I'm like, um, mom, don't worry. I'm, I just signed up for a beach volleyball team and you know I'm working really hard for the team and she was like 
like silent for like you know a few seconds and then she was like oh, that is so exciting so she was so happy about this thing that I, I realized I couldn't tell her that it was bullshit so I how went long, how long did you keep that going for a few months okay, okay until she decided to go and pick me up at volleyball and that wasn't fun. You no. didn't have any volleyball. But imagine the intro, the trainer. He was like, "Who the heck is Christine?" <laughs> and she was like, "No," with Italian accent. You know, my, my daughter, a blonde girl, like, coming here uh, many months. <laughs> and he was like, uh, "No." <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. So probably she thought I was into drugs or something. So she was pretty, pretty scared. And, but. So once you found out, like, you said the guy was a little bit introverted it's like literally the ver- reverse of uh don't get into cars with strangers <laughs> and he's like I, don't let strangers into my car um but so you, you just you saw the car you're like hey i, I want to do that and then you just taught yourself everything from scratch yeah i mean he helped me a lot yeah. like he taught me everything and started showing me but it was it was mainly like that but that's I think that's the only way I could have done it because really now that I'm into this world like more I know exactly how much is the cost you know of having a race car and also the Corolla which is like a shitty car from again 1989 so it was literally pieces of metal Uh, if you get like he bought it for like 8,000 euros you know so for me at that time was like what is even that money you know it was just insane so really little you know just also the parts I would buy them in a scrapyard and you know at the beginning obviously I had no idea about mechanics but then I started you know getting into it and I realized that if I didn't know about it I couldn't build my own car and I couldn't race so I was so into this that I'm like I'd do anything for it yeah it's funny when uh, you're into something enough all the obstacles don't matter anymore like you're just like yeah I don't know how to do that I guess I go into the library and getting a bunch of books on how to weld um so how long did you work with that guy? And then when did you start saying like, hey, this isn't just like a hobby that, you know, I'm going to fill my volleyball time with, but uh, I actually want to like make this actually happen? Well, uh, this thing went on until I built my car and then I still, so after that, like more things happened. Like I rolled my first road car after a week that I had my license. So again, my mom killed me twice. So I got to a point that she was like super worried about my life and what I was doing and this crazy car thing. So she said, uh, you know, you should you should go and study and that's it. Because that was, I went to Fuerteventura to this island just to be there for like a year and then I was supposed to go to university. So I ended up going to Republika uh, Czech, Czech Republic, Prague. So I was supposed to start studying. And when I got there, I'm like, what the heck is this? I'm never going to stay here. So I got a ticket and I went to Italy. And I contacted this uh, super like famous rally driver that he was going, he was giving courses. So I'm like, I contacted him, I talked to him, I talked to him through. And then we, he ended up giving me a course of like a, f- a few days. I had, I had the license since a week. So imagine like when he got, when I got into the car and he's like, oh, since when do you drive? I'm like, one week. And he's like, okay, so there's three pedals. <laughs> so it was kind of embarrassing. But um, all this, I've been away for a month from, and my mom thought I was in university. So this whole thing went on like really, really bad. Recurring theme, recurring theme. <laughs> Again, don't ever do that. <laughs> and yeah, so after that, I kind of um, realized I had no more money. I was traveling all around trying to follow this dream but it was like it, I had no idea it was no organization you know I was just like yeah, I'll do this and I'll do that and then I have no money 
So I'm like, okay, I have to go back. So I went back, and again, my mom killed me, of course, because the university sent an email saying that I never arrived to the uni. So we talked, and she said, okay, what the heck do you want to do? Like, tell me now. So I told her, you know, mom, this is what I want. So I want to finish my race car. I want to start racing. And then I promise I'll go to study. So she accepted. So I did one year in Fuerteventura as sabático. And I stayed basically finishing the race car. The, I, I sold the, the Golf. I bought a chassis of a Corolla with suspension and everything. So it looked more like a car, which was the car like the, my neighbors. So he had more parts, so I could buy them off from him, so it would be cheaper. All this cycle. <laughs> and I did my first race. Uh, after this is eight, 18-ish? Yeah, I was okay. 18 at that time. So uh, then it, September was coming. September was when university starts. So I was sent off because my basically my mom talked to my dad, which I, I wasn't talking to my dad at that time almost because when they separated, he kind of got away about, you know, he didn't want to know about this story. But... Um, so he said, like, oh, mom said you're crazy. I'm like, hey, dad, nice to talk to you after years, you know. <laughs> so what happened is, um, yeah, <laughs> they, they decided I should have gone to study. So I went to England, okay. Birmingham. And I started studying. Well, I was signed up for economics. Economics oh, and okay. uh, marketing or something yep. bullshit. Yep. Something not cool. Yep. Boring. And I get there and I do two weeks. <laughs> no, no, wait, 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 wait. So I did two weeks and I'm like, hmm, what am I going to do with my life? This is definitely not what I want to do. And, you know, it was it was horrible. Like the first, I remember the first day, uh, all these girls coming to me like, oh, we should go uh, shopping this afternoon. And, you know, it's going to be awesome. And I was just there like, oh, my God, this is fucked my life. You know? And I was like, I don't have friends. I should go. You know, I went and then I, I faked that I had like stomach ache and I ran off. Okay. So imagine how bad it was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but of course, I couldn't run off from the university again. So, um, it just went on bad and bad and bad. I would just play PlayStation all day, and that's all I would do. And one day... Rally games on PlayStation? Of course, okay, yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> WRC, yeah. Stay consistent. <laughs> so, so, yeah. So, this friend from Australia calls me one day. Andrea. And he goes, hey, Chris, you know, I want to do... Um, how's it called? Uh, it's like Erasmus. Like six months in another university yeah, like or, a, or a uh, semester abroad yeah, yeah okay so he calls me and he says yeah do you do you know if I can do something like that like with what I'm studying in your university and it was like 2am you know I'm like what the heck why are you calling me this time and he was like oh come on Chris please help me out and this and that you never sleep anyway and I'm like <laughs> so I just I put down the phone and I'm like okay whatever I'll look up what he can do here so I started looking up at all the courses my university had and so suddenly I realized there was uh, motorsport engineering. And I'm like, huh. So I stop on that one and I open it and I start reading. And I'm like, this, this is exactly what I want to do. So so I send an email to the tutor. I'm like, hey, dear David Jones, my name is Christine. Da, 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 da. No, I said, my name is Chris and mm, I would like to change course and I'm studying economics and I hate it. And da, da, da. So he sent me an email in the morning saying, sure, after you finish your, your morning day, just come over and we'll talk and you can see the uni. So I went there and uh, so in minus four degrees in Birmingham, me with shorts, of course, and I arrived there all happy and I see this guy with a um, tie, you know, all super professional and, and I'm like, ha, that's my guy. So I go there and I, and I start like knocking on him and he's like, uh, excuse me, I am very occupied, I have a meeting today. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm your meeting. And he was like, oh, I'm expecting Christopher. And I'm like, no, Christine. <laughs> 
Because just Chris, just Chris, just Chris. Because in America, yeah. apparently in, in UK, if you sign Chris, it's Christopher. I didn't know that. Whatever. Anyway, so he was like, um, the first thing he told me was, do you know you cannot come to the university like that? And I was like, yeah, sure, sure, I'll dress up something different, no problem. <laughs> so anyway, I see all the, the uni, amazing, I love it. Uh, I say, yeah, yeah, I want to change. And eventually I change. I don't want to say details of how I changed again because it wasn't very legal. Um, but we did it. And again, after a month, my mom was calling me. Oh, I'm so, I'm so proud of you that you're studying finally and this is amazing. And what are you doing in uni? You know, and I'm like, yeah, taxes of uh, Japan. And she was like, oh, you study so interesting things in economics. And I was like, damn, I think I have to tell her. So again, after a month, I called her and I said, mom, we need to talk. She's like, oh, don't tell me you're in prison. And I was like, no, I'm alive. And I told her. And uh, I left the phone on my, on my bed and I went to the kitchen and I could still hear her shouting. Yeah, it was bad. That was like the, the baddest moment after all the mess I have did. But let's say that after a few weeks she called me back uh, because she didn't want to talk to me. And she said she was sorry and that she finally understood that that was really what I wanted. And so she was happy and she would support me. Oh, the uh, what was that like? The the three weeks in between that, were you? Did you did you think about not doing it? No. Okay, I'm always interested in those points where like you have to make the decision, and like you made the decision, but then you have to deal with the fallout of that, and then you sit in it and say, is this actually? Am I willing to give that up, or am I willing to deal with the the fallout from mom or? family or whatever but, but I'm, I've always been very impulsive so like I just do what I think at the moment sometimes I, I, I so you, mess up yeah. it seems sometimes you jump in front of a car and uh, changes your career path um, so you switch your major you focus on uh, motorsports engineering you finish that and then how did you like when did, when did, when did it become a thing where you're like maybe I'm going to start trying to actually race professionally I think it always been like that like since I started I knew that I wanted to do it like professionally I knew that that was my job like obviously it wasn't but I, I still my mental was like yes it's a job you know so I think that's also how it kind of did become a job after and I mean when I was in England the first year was horrible horrible because obviously my level of chemics, physics and all that crap I had no idea, like I've never studied it before and it was like literally like being in a Chinese class and you know, everyone was understanding you were the only idiot that was like I don't know what he's talking about, like no clue so the first year I studied a lot like I was there for 8 in the morning until 10 at night, you know, and I would ask for like um, extra classes and whatever, anything to just you know, and also because after all the mess I created around me it was like, now I have to really do it, you know? And it was like, I have to, like, concentrate. So, yeah, I, uh, after that, the second year, everything got a bit easier. And let's say that also the tutor and everything, they kind of got me in, in a special way. So let's say that they were very, like, um, overlooking on me. Like, you know, you don't have to do the things really well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he knew that I was starting to race and I wanted to do the Canarian Championship. So he's like, well, how are you going to do it if you live in England? And I'm like... I'll go back every weekend. So I started going back every weekend to Canary Island. I found a sponsor of an um, airline. 
that paid me the tickets to go back, which they weren't very expensive. But I mean, even though it's 30 euros here, 30 euros there every weekend, you know, it gets a lot of money. So, so yeah, I got that. I started going back. And then one weekend I would go finish the car and the weekend after I would race and I would come back. I would change exam dates. I would like really, it was crazy. But um, it was amazing because on the first year, no, I mean, on the second year of that, we raised the championship. We won it overall. Oh, wow. So that was like a, a huge achievement, you know, and we weren't really expecting that. So after that, uh, when I finished my uni, it was in four years, we did it in three also. Cut down. <laughs> Obviously, no time. <laughs> and when I finished that, I, they offered me a job in England, but in, in engineering. But I hated it. Like, I mean, I liked that just, again, because I wanted to race, so I wanted to know things. But it was useless, like, as in, I didn't like it as to do. If you're not getting to race, it's no fun. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I went back to Canaries, and I opened a mechanic workshop uh, with this neighbor. We opened this little, it was a really little shop. It was just us two at the beginning. And in the end, we were six. So it was going really well. Like, it worked really well. And it was super cool, you know, I loved it. And then it was perfect because at five o'clock we finished the, the actual mechanic work. We closed the shop and we put in our race cars and we worked on that. So it was just great. And then I started, I bought a, um, a Subaru because uh, it's my love. So yeah. <laughs> I bought the Subaru from 1999 and I started preparing that. It was my road car at the beginning. And then one day I woke up, I'm like, why do I have this for a road car? Started taking off the seats and my mom, oh no, another race car and, and so on. Um, so yeah, so after I, uh, I was, everything was stable, let's say in my life, I was doing the championship, I was finding my little sponsors and so on. And then when I won the championship, this uh, team from Spain, from Barcelona called me saying, hey, you know, we saw this and that, um, we're interested, is it possible if you come and race with our team? Obviously for me, it was like something huge, you know, I was on the phone and I'm like, what is this guy asking me? So I was like, uh, yes, I'm coming. And you know, I put down the phone and I'm like, where am I going? Like, I owe money to the bank. I have this this workshop that half is mine and half not, you know. So I really, it was kind of crazy, but it was such a huge opportunity for me that I couldn't say no. And again, um, it wasn't fully paid. Like, they would give me the car, which is huge because the car is like 80,000 bucks, so it's still a lot of money. But they wouldn't pay me the, um, like, insurance, inscription of the races and my own costs. Let's say per race, it's around about 2,000, 2,500 euros. Per entry. Per, yeah, per race, exactly. So, like, imagine if a race costs maybe 14,000, like, renting the car, for me, was 2,500, which is good, but for a person that is, you know... Yeah, if you're owing money exactly, to the bank, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. not good. So, so, I took a few weeks of thinking, and I asked my neighbor if he would take, he would buy my part of workshop. He said yes. So, he bought that, I sold my car, I sold everything I had in-house, and I said goodbye, everyone, and I went to Barcelona. Wow. How was that? What's that? What's that like? That's a big move. Yeah, it was crazy because I was alone, so I ended up sleeping in the garage of a mechanic of my team for like a few months, and uh, yeah, it was kind of crazy at the beginning. I had no idea where I was. I didn't know anyone. You know, I was just there because I wanted to race. And then my the good thing is my sister went to do Erasmus again, like a, a year in Barcelona. So so I'm like, okay, let's divide. Like so, we we divided a room in a house. So, yeah, because it was so expensive. Like, a room, it was maybe 500, 450 euros. And so I told her, if we divide it, we're 250 each, you know? And, and it was it was crazy because, again, you know, we're stuck in this little one meter per one meter. But um, I was happy. I mean, that's, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to try. I wanted to risk it. And, 
yeah of course you know the people were like a bit what are you doing why are you doing this it's crazy you don't have money you know blah, blah. but whatever I sold everything so I put some money apart I spent it in the first four months with the racing all of it uh, started eating bread and water for a month and then I realized I needed a job or something so uh, we finished the, um, the racing uh, project they had with me and there was this uh, the last race we had to do was a world championship race so it was like the biggest event we had to race it you know it was crazy and so he's like uh, my, my the boss of the team was like okay so we have to race this race but it's a bit more expensive than the others and I had exactly the money you know sorted out so I'm like no 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 how much more expensive I had 2,000 exactly for each race and he's like it's it's 4,000 it's a double and I'm like no 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 I don't have that it's impossible and he was like we have to find it because you have to race that race I was like so again, you know, at the beginning, like, oh, what am I going to do? So so I did this um, crowdfunding. Uh, I don't know if you guys use Kickstarter over here or whatever. Okay, so I, I had an, another one. but And I put I said, okay, everyone puts, like, their own thing, right? So you invent something and you put it up there and, and people help you out or whatever. And I thought, I'm going to put myself. So I did a video of myself. It's still online. It's very pathetic if you want to watch it. Okay. Um, and uh, we'll I dig it up. We'll dig it up. Don't worry. <laughs> Great. And, you know, I just said that this was my dream and blah, 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 whatever. And that um, so my idea was to race the the WRC, the World Championship, with the race car full of signatures of people that helped out. Oh, that's cool. So it's like we all race the race together, you know, it was kind of weird. So it was like and and then obviously people that would help, I would send them like maybe signed gloves or anything, shirts and things. So we we did it. We did 2,700 euros in a few weeks, which was enormous because we had so many anonymous people putting 200, 1,000 euros, 100 euros that I was like, how, you know, it's crazy. And we went, we raced with the whole car full of signatures, which was incredible. That's cool. Yeah, it was amazing. Where did you get that idea from? Just come up with it? Just thinking, you know, you get to a point that you're like, you're so... um, desperate because you don't know what to do and you really need the money so I'm just you know browsing around suddenly you see this you see the product you see person and I'm like huh I could do this with myself you know and and it worked out it worked out and it's amazing how many followers just because when I started I opened this the Facebook page like oh you know like all my friends are asking me what I'm doing on the car so it's like I get bored of texting everyone the same thing so I'm like you know I'll do a Facebook page and you can watch it and this uh, suddenly was like 10,000 and then 20,000 now we're like 98,000 on Facebook you know and it's like wow because it's all people that I have no clue about that they just come to me and like hey what are you doing today what is this you know so it was really cool what's the uh, I I think one of the themes that I keep seeing <laughs> that you keep doing to yourself is you put yourself in a corner and then you're like ah they're the only way to make this happen is like I have to make this happen right now like you get, you go to school and you're like I, I can't I just told my mom and I dealt with like three weeks of her not talking to me to tell her that I'm doing this like uh, motorsports engineering degree no I have to show up and I have like you know these people watching over me to like I can't screw this up and like basically backing yourself into the corner where you're like I gotta figure out how to raise this money and then as soon as you was it necessity is the mother of invention and you just like you put yourself in the corner and then you have to fight your way out of it uh, that's like one of my favorite strategies you're like because it's easy to get lazy if you just say yeah I don't have to do it I don't have to as soon as you like have to do it like I feel like you get more creative you get like um, you get more resilient Every everything about it just like everything comes together because you have to perform or you're going back to Canary Islands or mom's yelling at you or 
or something along those lines. So yeah, sometimes it's for sure the worst of your moments is the, is the only way to actually think a solution, right? And I realize it now that I'm kind of racing stably, and I'm like, God, I remember when at that time, you know, like my first sponsor was a, a guy of mozzarellas. Like he came to me and he said, I don't have money, but I can give you mozzarellas, and I'm like, fuck yeah, I want that. <laughs> So I started getting mozzarellas and selling them around, double the price, you know, and be like, yeah, this is for a good cause and whatever. So it's like, you know, you got to some like really low like moments of your life, you know, but that was, I mean, it was the only way to go forward. So yeah. I miss it sometimes. <laughs> you miss the chaos. Yeah. Do, uh, are there ways that you find yourself trying to recapture that in any ways? Like the chaoticness or just like, the, the scrappiness of how things were? I don't know. Like I think right now I'm just focusing so much because I need to start getting like big results, you know, because we, we have big projects. So um, our team here in LA, it's, it's new. So uh, And I'm racing in Europe too at the same time with other teams. So it's not me anymore, myself and I, which is good and cool. And I have friends and people helping me out. So it's amazing. Um, but sometimes, yeah, I mean, I still live in a freaking one-per-one-meter room in Barcelona with sharing with some other girl that I don't even know, you know. So, I, I love you, Maddie. I mean, I, I know her now. But, you know, when we started, it was just like, you know, I'm not going to pay for 150. And so, I still um, live in this chaos a little bit, but I'm trying to get better. So. Yeah. So, what's a... I want to talk about some of the big projects you have coming up, but then uh, I want to talk a little bit because, you know, for people who aren't familiar with... Uh, you know the, the type of racing that you do like what are, what are the structures and like support around you that how are these set up you mentioned you know teams and they have drivers and then they have like mechanics and your you know your own team from like a marketing standpoint like what is you know I would say like either what's your inner circle look like and then like how is that overall set up with like you know various teams having different drivers at different locations and you said you're racing for a couple different teams in LA and Barcelona like can you break that down? Okay. Um, first of all, like when I'm talking about all this crazy stuff that happened, it was rallying. So I started with rallying. And then um, after, like right now, it's been a year and a half that I'm in off-road. So it's completely different. So rally, it's you have stages of like 20, 30 kilometers, 10, 15, whatever. Uh, you race full speed on these areas. It's completely close to the road. And then you have a connection road to other stages. So, I don't know, maybe 250 kilometers a day of um, racing stage and 200 of, like, normal road. Now, off-road, it's like, first of all, the cars are different. It's not like a normal car, like, with performance. It's like, it's off-road cars. So, the suspension is huge. It's like more like monster buggies, you know? Yeah, they're buggies, yeah. Exactly. So, what I'm racing now, it's a buggy. It's a Canam, a UTV. Um, they look really fun. Yeah, it is super, really fun. Fun. super fun and super crazy. Like, for example, the Baja 1000 that we just raced, it's such a different race. First of all, because it's Mexico. So Mexico is already another world. Um, and it's like 1,000 miles, so almost 2,000 kilometers, nonstop. You start and you finish. We took 33 hours this year and like 40 minutes without stopping. You know, I mean, you stop for gas one minute whatever or if you break down you're in the middle of nothing you have nothing you have to find your way out you know so it's insane like people die and like last year there was like three deaths and really yeah it's it's 
freaking crazy. Yeah, you, you're, you're fitted with like GPS trackers and everything, aren't I you? I mean, we have satellites, phones yeah, and yeah. stuff, and we have a great, great team, you know. We eventually will get out of it, but you never know. I mean, if you flip over the car and you're in a really bad position, you're in the middle of the sealed, there's no one there, it's night, it's 4 a.m., whatever. I mean, you're stuck there, you can die, for sure. So... It's a completely Hardcore. different thing. Yeah, it's it's badass. But so, it's so you're not sleeping at all. No, you just race. You're just, and you don't have any like co-drivers or anyone. That I mean, you have a co-driver, okay. obviously. Thank God, that tells you where to go, and they have a GPS. So you work like you follow this line, and you it's it's good. And also, normally, if you something happens to the car, you both get down. You try to solve it, and it's great. But um, in our case, we did half race, so. Half race another driver and half race I drive because 33 hours all in once. That's what I was gonna ask. It's, it's hard. I mean, there's people that Ironman it, but there's more chances of dying. It's no sense, you know. At least for us, that if you want your ideas to win, you you don't want to win the category of Ironman. You want to just win it overall. So overall, it's better to have two fresh drivers or three or four, you know, depending on the team. In our case, we decided half and half because we thought that like 500 miles each is bad, but not as crazy. Yeah. And the Ironman categorization is just for people that are solo drivers going the whole thing. No solo. Place. They have a co-driver, but yeah. they do it themselves. Yeah. 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 Okay. But it's still, it's not that well-known either. You know, it's like, oh, you're so cool, but that's it. So, so we, we just want to go for all of it. So in, uh, I've done a bunch of ultra marathons and in ultras, like you do the same thing where you're like, you're out there for a long time and like after a certain amount of time without any sleep, people like start hallucinating and doing, and it's like one thing when you're on your own. And the same thing, you're in the middle of nowhere, like things can go bad. And if things go bad, like in certain unsupported races, like you could be in a really bad spot. Like I did a race in Finland where I ended up having to like, uh, I ran out of water and I had to melt snow to make water. And then the snow would freeze because it was so cold. Uh, it was bad. It wasn't so far that I was, I would ever be in like real trouble of like not finishing the race, but it was just like, it was a bad situation for like 17 hours straight. Um, and there's bad things that can happen when you're an ultra runner and you're out there for like 24, 30 hours longer than that. Uh, people hallucinate, bad things happen. I can only imagine how much worse it is when you've got that plus this huge, huge vehicle that you're driving at ridiculous speeds and you're going on hour 12, 15, whatever. Um, how, do you, how do you keep going uh, when you're like physically... Like, what do you do to stay mentally sharp when you're, like, that's an endurance thing on its own of just continuing to drive for so long? Well, we have, um, apparently that we have PD lights in the, in the in the camelback, but we have, like, uh, little energy squeeze things yeah, like stick goose? to the to the wall of the okay. car. Because that's the only way. Because, obviously, you're racing. You're not like, oh, let's stop a second to eat something. You're like, uh, you eat. So you're like energy goos, like, like runners. I guess so. Yeah, yeah, yeah so, like... Way energy chomps or something yeah. like that like they're basically like candy or, or yeah. mush or whatever yeah yeah, or mush yeah. yeah yeah it tastes terrible yeah horrible yeah it's like I, we had like maple syrup something like that I don't know what the hell was that but it was it was yeah but that's the only way you know because you're something and it's like it's exactly like you said like this race it happened to me that I hallucinated all of a sudden I like I started seeing water and I was like oh my god how are we gonna pass that water you know and my coach is like oh god wait let me open one of these you know yeah, so yeah. he's saying like it's crazy. I mean, after so many hours, I entered at like 2 a.m. and I finished at like 7 p.m. So it wasn't that bad, but it, it was. It's like 17 hours, yeah. Yeah. So what what are the things that you do to like stay sharp? Is it just having that other person there with you? That I, that's probably a big yeah, thing. Is like that's a big, yeah. Smack you back into reality. 
Um, but anything other than, like, I'm always curious because there's a there's a race, uh, a bike race. Uh, it's called Race Across America. It's from, like, San Diego to Annapolis. Um, and the guys that win it, like, you could do it in solo, two-person, four-person, eight-person, I think 16 people. Um, and the guys that win it do it in, like, seven days. And the first, I don't think they sleep for the first, like, two or three days. Like, guys that are just going across. And then they'll sleep for, like, three hours and they keep going. And, um, like, their team is right there. And they're just, like, at some points, they'll get off the bike and they'll just, like, like just wobbling around. And they're completely out of their mind. Um, and their team kind of has to have, like, a routine that they basically bring them down out of their hallucination or you know like bring them back to earth um do you have do you do anything like are you taking like a crap ton of caffeine like what are you doing anything specific to like stay mentally sharp or are you just like hey i, I all in, i'm walking in for 17 hours and i'm just gonna do it okay so some of my teammates have this uh they we call it the chinese pill <laughs> it's, it's legal <laughs> i okay. realize and it's uh i don't know it's like to take keep you focused but as I don't like that because I don't know what it is. What I, is it? It's like modafinil. It's probably just caffeine and okay. whatever. But like a lot of don't know. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> they're like boom all awake all the way, and they're like, "Hello, how are you? Where are you? Yeah, oh, amazing!" <laughs> After ten hours, you know. And then, so, but no, I don't. I just I like to be very prepared for the race, and if I'm physically prepared, I I just get there and I'm like. I just go for it, you know, and I try. Of course, you deteriorate after so many hours. It's, it's clear, but I just try to keep keep focused and and go. And I don't know. I mean, yeah, the co-driver helps me out, and he, he keeps talking to you. So it gets to a point also that you're like, damn, stop talking. You know? But um, yeah, I don't know. If you if you're prepared, I think that it, it's fine. It's hard, but it's fine. What's your What's your preparation look like? Well, I normally like I have gym, so I have morning cardio and then afternoon I try to do weights and then I have a specific uh, it's a gym in, in Barcelona that it's um, it's called pro training by the way it's really amazing it's like some it's a specific training that kind of takes you to the hundred percent all the time you go train it's insane like you get out of there and you can't even walk home it's crazy but uh, you know and it gets you to a specific training of like maybe seven minutes uh, per week so it's it's really not much, but it's amazing. Okay. And so like super high intensity. Yeah. Okay. Super super high. So it, it's just different training. Then we go hiking. We do a bit of everything, you know. But the most important for I think it's the ment mental training. It's like it's so crazy how your um, focus is. It's it's just your your mentality. You know, your what you're thinking. You just fly off all of a sudden. You think about what did you eat yesterday, and you're like, oh shit, no, 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 you know. And it's such a, um, I mean, you're driving and you have two people which you're responsible for and you're responsible for bringing the car to the end of the race. So it's so much things, so much stress at the same time. And so that's the main thing you have to take care of. So I never did meditation, for example. I started right now and um, I'm like a super over, you know, person. I never stop. So it's obviously strange for me, but I think it will work eventually. So you need to find the best for your like you need to be completely empty let's say like you get to the race just thinking of winning and getting to the end of the race and that's the only way that you can do it okay sure. so do you do any other sort of mental training besides trying meditation but not doing it? not working yeah. uh, not I'm, yet I'm, but I'm the same I, way <laughs> i've been i've been looking into like uh some mental coach some people that can actually so who if there's someone online that <laughs> is a mental coach for sure contact me 
Uh, they told me it's great, and I've seen like the best athletes have it, so I've, I've been thinking about it. Yeah, it's becoming like a big thing, and um, like I think a lot of NBA teams now have like a uh, mental, um, like mental visualization coaches or something like that. So um, that's interesting. From a uh, physical preparation standpoint, from like a workout and like a like being physically prepared, what's what are either like exercises or not necessarily exercise, but like what specific muscles or uh, body parts do you need to like really be like strong with in order to drive that you wouldn't necessarily think about? Because I, I always think whenever you do a new activity, you're like, oh, okay, you know, like this is tough, this is tough, and maybe in the moment it's you know, you're like arms hurt or whatever, and then the next day you're like, I just. I didn't realize I used that one muscle that, like, I didn't even know I had that muscle. And, like, you know, it's like your hip flexor is, like, super sore. And you're like, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't even know that was a thing. Um, are there any specific things that, like, are really strenuous from a driving standpoint that you need to make sure that you're trained well for? I think it's, it's a bit everything because, for example, the arms are super important, of course, because the steering wheel. And in this terrain, it's not at all a normal terrain. It's a freaking survival terrain. Like, it's so, like, big rocks as your car and then, you know, like, really crazy shit. So you have to be super, like, strong, first of all, which it doesn't look like I am, but you <laughs> I'm got guns. Okay. You got guns. <laughs> and then um, the, the legs, you think also, you know, pedals, I mean, oh, come on, they're not. Well, yeah, you, you die the next day. And, like... Uh, For 17 hours, yeah, yeah. it's horrible. And then the helmet, you have to have, like, what I was, uh, I was saying the other day, it's, like, the helmet. I can't believe... I don't have a carbon fiber one and it's so heavy you know after so many hours you're like you get tired because the helmet is so heavy you're like feeling it like double and then the so uh, it's like you, your neck yeah, yeah and you have a hands device which is for the neck okay. like not to break it when you have accidents and it's the same thing like the next day I, I can't even move like because it hurts so much you know and I'm like maybe two three days in bed so I need to work so much the neck and the um, espalda the, 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 the back spine, and yeah, the spine back. because it's it's the worst that's and crazy. I already have problems because I had a bad accident, so it's like it just worsened up. Okay, that's yeah. You wouldn't think necessarily like, oh, I have to work on my neck muscles. Yeah, yeah. that's interesting. Um, and my thumb, that's a crazy one. What's a what about grip strength? Yeah, yeah that's yeah. the worst thing. And and I broke my thumb because of the because you, when you keep the steering wheel, you have your thumb inside, which they teach you that you can use it also outside and stuff. But because of my strength, I I rather have it inside, and I still use it inside. I don't give a shit if I broke it already. But um, but it's, it's the worst because you get first of all you get all this um, like when you're training gym you know that you get the calluses because yeah you get them here really bad like really bad and I don't know it's just it's just things you know that you wouldn't think about until you come on from the race and you're like why do you have this you're like why does this hurt yeah um, do you have any uh, you you mentioned you had an accident mm -hmm. what happened I rolled down a cliff of 80 meters and a lot of rolls. 80 meters yeah. like 250 feet yeah 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 and you busted did you break anything or no actually no okay i, th I say that I, i'm better now than before but okay. people say <laughs> no no i mean i was i was bad in, in my back like really bad like you pinched uh, yeah. some of the uh, but, vertebrae. But really, it could have been worse. Like the car could have took fire and everything because we were in a like kind of forest down. Yeah. So oh, wow. we couldn't get out of the car. And some French people like launched themselves on the hill and helped us out. It was it was bad. What's the what's is that the worst uh, situation you've been in? 
Yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Do you have a? Uh, I was going to ask you worst uh, position, and then uh, like favorite adventure, like best racing memory. I think the WRC, the World Championship, was a huge achievement because it's like to be there, you have to be like super good. So it was like amazing to be just racing. And then Baja 1000, for sure, my first Baja 1000 last year, we did a seventh place. So it was like first race, seventh place. It was like we weren't expecting it at all. So it was it was really good. That's good. Um, so let's let's circle back to the team thing because I don't think we t- we hit on that. So what's the what's your team setup right now? Because you're you know, you split time LA, Barcelona, and wherever else. But uh, what's that look like? And then how does that organization work with like you, you know, your branding team, and then the the teams that you race with? Okay, so my main team is Dynamic Racing, and they're from here. Well, the workshops in Mojave and half in Mexico. So um, this is my main team. I just race for them. That's the main thing. But um, as my boss wants to expand, and we're we are, I mean, our main objective is Dakar 2020. So as we want to race that, which is one of like the biggest off-road races ever and hardest. Um, we are preparing for that kind of race, which is completely different from what's American type, because here we have a GPS. It's like all it's followed. It's um, it's different. While in um, in Europe, the European system slash World Championship system, um, it's navigation, completely navigation. So you have like a roadbook, which you have to read through, and kind of that's how you know where to go. So you, you need to train that a lot. And the cars are very different. The terrains are very different. There's dunes, you know, stuff that you don't get here. So to do that, um, we have to race in Europe, but we can't bring our car there because it's a part of the expenses is like stupid, you know, the whole team there. So what we do, we rent from other teams the car and then we race with the name of Dynamic Racing, but with another team. So that's why I have different setup teams. And now, for example, this weekend, I'm racing in Portugal, 24-hour race. And that's an, completely another team that saw me racing in Portugal um, a few months ago and said, hey, we want you in the team. Can you come and race this team? So at that point, I put in contact him and my boss, and then they made a deal. And, you know, if he says yes, I go. If no, no. So that's that's why I race with different teams, like, depending on the on the moment. But the setup here, um, we just have a workshop here, and then we just have trailers, and we move around. But in, in Europe, as the, it's so different, you know, it's like... Um, the organization, the the whole race. Uh, you have so many um, safety issues that we don't have over here. Like over here, everything is like yeah, yeah, have fun and go, you know. Uh, or Mexico. You so know. it's 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 more mature in Europe. I would say yes, but it's more yeah, it is for sure more safe. And apart from that, it's more um, there's more regulations. You know, like the car has to be exactly I don't know the whatever the. The supports of the seat have to be 2.1 millimeters per each side, welded in whatever the heck way they want to, and so on. While here is not like that, you know. So there's much more stuff to learn over there than here. But as the car is this same system, we have to do it. Okay. How much time are you splitting between like racing, prepping for racing, like working out, like taking care of your body, and then also like, you know, doing the mechanical stuff and doing the stuff on the car versus like having, you know, do you just outsource all that? your team and just trust them with that or are you you involved with that at all okay well i'm not doing mechanic stuff anymore yeah yeah now <laughs> but um, i didn't know if you like you're one of those people that like have to like 
sign off on all the little details of the car before you? Um, no, 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 no. I mean, I completely rely on my team. It's just that maybe, you know, you have to change some stuff. Then I would help for sure. I love it. But um, right now I have a team that does that. So. <laughs> um, but I think, I mean, each month we have a race pretty much. So you do the whole month prepping and then you race and then so on. But this year is going to be crazy. Like we're going to have more races all over like Dubai, Qatar, uh, Morocco, Poland, Italy. So it's going to be harder to organize myself, but I think that's also a challenge, right? And if, um, if I mean, you have to get prepared to the race, so you have to find the way out, but it's going to be okay. How does, uh, how does the funding work with all that? Like, are there, is there specific prize money for specific races, sponsors? How does that all, how does the business side of uh, all that play out? Okay, so racing, it's a loss of money. Okay. That's first of all, like for sure. All you do is put money in and you never get shit back. <laughs> this is, it, it is like that. So, because um, re- really, even if you win Baja 1000, all they give you is like, I don't know, 30,000 bucks. You know, what are you going to do with 30,000 when you just put a billion? So, um, for a team, it's different because. Uh, Obviously, they have sponsors, so your comeback, it comes like your revenue comes from that. So, if your team is better, you have better results, then sponsors are gonna want to sponsor you. So, you get the money from the sponsors, and then you pay all the rest. So, obviously, at the beginning, you're gonna just put money in, and then slowly it's gonna go up. So, but yeah, it is a loss of money. <laughs> how many how many total years have you been racing now? Right now, five, four in rallying and one in okay. Europe. And uh, are you going to be moving more into off-road? For sure, yeah. Right okay. now, like as the aim is Dakar, Dakar is off-road. So okay. we are 100% into Bajas. Like, I'm not doing rallying anymore since yeah. a year and a half now. Hearing you talk about off-roading makes me want to get in. Because <laughs> <laughs> all the things you're talking about with racing from a, a racing standpoint, it's like it's really, really similar to doing ultra-endurance events uh, on foot or whatever, but you're just using no a car instead. Yeah. yeah. But just kind of nice. You're like, yeah. Yeah, you'd love it. Um interesting uh, what's the what's the most difficult part about racing that most people wouldn't think about when you're starting or now like, like or just both. racing both like when you're starting out and then like as like a as a like someone who does this this is what you want to do forever right like or since 17 um, what would you not have expected uh, would have been so difficult I mean was many things like as I said when I, when you start the the money like you have to prepare something and you don't have the money so to do that you have to convince some person or some business that you're cool and that you're good and that's hard because they don't know you you have to convince them how no idea and they have to give you money in your hands to be able to do something you love like why would they have to do that you know it's really complicated and so that's for sure the beginning it's finding the the support uh, right now after you are racing and I mean it's finding this uh, balance between your life your actual life and your racing life because it gets to a point that you're traveling so much at least in my case like you travel so much you move around so much it's hard to find people um, friends you know even like you have all over the world split over but it's never going to be like a real friend because they're never with you so it's it's a bit complicated because you, you, you feel lonely sometimes okay 
because you think that you know it's like oh yeah he's my friend but really like would you call him if you're like in the middle of the desert like lost and that no one can come and pick you up would he come to pick you up like no you know so i think this balance this this a bit uh fake life that you're living that is just but it's you get to a point that you think and you say what do you really want like do you care like because that's the thing at the beginning was the same like the obstacles were the family the i don't know boyfriend girlfriend whatever um the friends you know that they're like oh you're not passing time with me you're not with me today and you're like well i'm preparing my race car you know and then you got to a point that you're like it's my race car my best friend so yeah it is <laughs> like that you know you drop your boyfriend you drop your family because you lose family because that's what happened with me like my dad and whatever you just but if you have your objective you just have to stick to it and that's the only way to get to it then it's going to be easier like now i like i have really good friends around me and like people i can rely on but it 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 is hard you know in the beginning and then staying focused for sure that's the hardest part because you know sometimes you you need some air and even though they think oh you're just racing like it's not even a job you know most of my friends are like so when's your job i mean when are you racing <laughs> you know they they even feel weird saying it but it is a job i mean because you have to stick to it and you have to do whatever it says and you have to go from thursday to monday and then obviously you have tuesday wednesday free which is not free because you still have to train so the uh the travel thing is it's uh i've been traveling for like three years basically and it's one of those things where it's like it's super sexy on the surface and it's actually really fun i love traveling but there's a, a point where i realize it's like i'm spending so much time uh booking hotels and and airline tickets that like the actual businesses that i want to work on and the things i want to grow and the teams that i'm working on like i'm like i'm not working on them as hard as i could because i'm constantly thinking about the logistics of where i have to be next um so i'm trying to slow it down a little bit but i don't think i can stop, stop. i see you're here now <laughs> yeah i was like I th we were listing off the places i've yeah. been since i saw you last i was like oh i need to i need to chill out for a second but um with uh with like your fa you said you had to drop things in order to get where you wanted to go and get your jackets did, did you circle back and try to pick some of those things up or do you just kind of like that was the that was the price um no that was the price i would say i would say that um that's when you understand if someone is really your friend or really you know because i mean if i had a friend that it was it I don't know, loves plants or whatever, you know, and wants to travel the world and prepare gardens. It's like, that's what he wants to do. I mean, I would support it. So um, I think that's really when you realize what's the real people. So it's good. I don't know. It helps you grow. The, uh, yeah, it's interesting when, I actually just wrote something about this earlier. Um, everybody talks about what they want to get, but they never talk about what they're willing to give up. And sometimes I think it's easier to think about the things that you're willing to give up in order to get your objective uh, because everything has a cost and it has to be paid at some point. And if you're willing to pay it, then you are. But that's also the trade-off. Everybody always looks at people who've done a specific thing or built this business or you know, achieved or won this specific thing. And they're like, oh my gosh, I want their life. But you didn't see what that person had to give up to go get that. So... Um, That's interesting. Uh, do you want to talk to me about your charity projects that you're working on? Yeah. Um, we did a few. Right now, the one that we're working on is this uh, Mi Casa Esperanza, which is a house in Mexico of like kids with uh, 
mothers that had like problems of like violation or um, how do you say when yeah and and I don't know maybe they're just um, they don't have a house or whatever yeah, yeah. you know and yeah we went down last time this uh, so this the um, the people that uh, organize everything that take that are the that have the house they they have a race car sort of uh, it's a Volkswagen like it's a, like it's called Bochito and it's um, so they race in Baja and that's how we met them and they have this race car in this house and the, like in the weekends the kids go there and like wash the car and then they put their hand stamps on the car and it's amazing you know it's so we've been there we've been helping them like cook for the kids and uh, we did this event where we talked to the kids what we've done and this and that and right now we are um We're just we just have this uh, thing on my website where we get money for them and then we buy them food or you know whatever they need basically. So this is our, our thing right now what we're working on. And as we've just been in Mexico, we've seen them in the race, but we couldn't go down and we we didn't yet like uh, earn too much money for them. So we want to get a, a good right amount, you know, to bring them more stuff. But it's it's amazing, you know, to see how how little things. Um, over there like how people react to these things while here it's like I don't know with a kid you know you bring them a sticker and they'll be like why why are you giving me this You're like I want an iPad you know yeah, exactly exactly well over there I gave I had a um, how's it called um, a money and then I had sticker on my other hand and they would just go for the sticker you know it's insane it's I don't know so I love to do it because I feel like I'm really doing something useful and happy and helpful yeah, what, what made you want to do it before that Well, I'm born in India impulsive. and I kind of, I lived there eight years, so I kind of understand, let's say, how he's living uh, with nothing, you know. It was ages ago, of course, and now I'm, I have a completely different life. But I remember, like, um, I had schoolmates and, you know, that couldn't, that had a bicycle with no tires and they would go to school with a bicycle just to show that they had a bicycle, but it was, you know, it wasn't. So... I kind of feel attached to this a lot and I want to try to help because I really wanted to go back one one day to India and be able to help my city where I lived in. So I, I went when I went to Mexico and I meet these this kids and where they were living and how they were just, um, they gave them a bed, you know, and those kids were like looking at the bed, jumping on the bed, like, oh my God, what is this, you know? I just thought that I, I can't do much, but with my little, I, I'm sure that it's something already. So... I saw the I saw the India thing on your bio. Why why were your parents in India? Um, they're both Italian, but my dad had a business over there, so they just decided, why not? And then they lived there for 15 years, and I only lived there eight, because after a while they they said, well, let's the teenager ages maybe was better in Italy because it was it was very hard to live there. But I mean, I remember like the best place ever, so I don't know. <laughs> the uh, what other what other projects do you have coming up? Or races um, that you're looking at? You mentioned Portugal. Yeah, Portugal right now, the 24-hour next week. And then in winter, we're going to race um, ice championship. with, a, with a, It's a championship in on the snow, basically, uh, with, the, with the UTVs. What with part the of buggies. the world? Andorra. Like, oh, uh, in Andorra. Okay, yeah, yeah. A few hours from Barcelona. So that's going to be fun, too. Is that in the mountains, then? Yeah. Awesome. There's a snow ski resort. It's really cool. Really cool place. And so that's our plan for winter. And then, um, I don't know, we're trying to set up the calendar for next year because we have too many races. 
and but really our main main thing is the car so we are just everything is focused on the car which is 13 months away I mean it's not far you know you think about it you're like ah that's next year but no not really so all the races everything we're gonna do it's to you know get better for that race because that's gonna be our objective is I mean it's 21 days race so it's, it's gonna be long 21 yeah I mean depends like yeah. 15 whatever yeah, you know, yeah. but it's still <laughs> how, 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 how does that actually play out though like, are you doing, like, it's a stage race, so you're, 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 you're racing X amount? You race, like, 400, 300, 200, mainly 400 <laughs> kilometers a day, but you're doing it yourself. So, you sleep or you don't sometimes, depending if you fix the car. The fun thing about doing these podcasts is that sometimes I find out a whole, like, a whole different world that I don't know about. I'm like, I kind of want to do that now. Yeah. Like, that sounds really fun. Um, no, that's cool. I um, see so those uh, the races anything else besides races or is that like are you fully focused on that are you splitting trying to do more stuff with the charity stuff or I mean we have some events coming up like motorsport events that we want to try to go because we think that obviously apart from the knowledge you can you can acquire it's a lot of things that you can learn you know and see and like the SEMA show we've been in November uh, it's insane it's like the biggest motorsport event in the world probably and it's freaking crazy and in like in four days you cannot see the whole show so it's like what there's so much stuff and, and so much businesses you know so obviously we have to try and get as much um, sponsors as possible because all these projects and the car are very expensive so we have to try and focus on that charity events for now I'm gonna keep with Mikasa Esperanza and then I'm talking to another uh, shelter house in shelter house uh, yeah orphan orphanage. Okay, orphanage yeah in again women uh, in in Mexico also we've been talking to her and we will try to help for sure but it's like we don't want to get too much stuff and not yeah, do yeah, it, yeah. you know. We rather just focus. Okay. And then any other races back in the states? Um, here we will have we will come for Baja 500 and Baja 1000 again, and in the states maybe the Mint 400, which is in Vegas, um, because it's a very famous race. Let's say. When you is know, that? Um, it's 400 miles. No, when? When? Oh, it's in May. Okay. And yeah, it's cool. It's a cool race. I want to come out and watch one of these. You should. You should. Yeah, I will. I will let you know because we have a big championship, BITD, in the United States. But as we are focusing on the European one, European slash whatever, so we have to do more over there. You can come to Dubai, maybe. Hey, there we go. Morocco. Okay. <laughs> I have to get. I have to get to Morocco. I've uh, been to Dubai once on a layover. Haven't done very much there, but Morocco would be sick. Um, this is this is funny because it's literally it's literally all the same things uh, I'll talk about with like endurance runners or like athletes and uh, I talked to this girl a couple weeks ago that did a, a 400 kilometer a race across the Gobi Desert and she's talking about the same types of thing about like what happens when you're out there all alone and you know temperatures drop out in the middle of nowhere and then you're like oh god what do I got to do um, except it's with cars and I don't know very much about cars so I feel like I've been learning a lot this whole time you should, so. you should come for a race really okay. yeah we'll, we'll organize it or maybe next time we're here you can come and test the car with us are you not scared of being in the car with me <laughs> i don't know i haven't seen you drive it so i mean i've seen the instagram videos but um cool well i think those are most of the questions that i've got uh do you have anything else that uh it'd be interesting or unexpected about being a race driver or something that you would have told yourself uh about when uh you jumped out in front of that car and told that guy to stop, <laughs> slow down. Uh, any advice you'd have for her or anything that you would have 
wish you knew back then? Um, no. no just I don't go think for so. It. I think, I mean, uh, obviously the change from rally to off-road has been pretty crazy. Like, I would have never thought that I went into off-road. Such a, It was such a far away world for me, you know. And coming to LA, I mean, I, I've always been in Barcelona and racing in Barcelona and, you know, all around Spain and all of a sudden I'm in America. So uh, that was the most unexpected thing for me. As that I should have known, mm, no, I think I did it the right way because if I did know, maybe I would have worked another way. Well, this way it was like, it was hard, but you know, you were slowly getting to know things and learn things and so on. So like, I remember when, um, when I tried to get sponsored by um, a boat company to move my car from the, because the championship on the islands, it's seven islands and to travel from one to another, it's freaking expensive and far. And I was like, how am I going to get to the other island? So I went to this boat company. I'm like, hey, you're sponsor me to bring my car over the thing. And um, this woman was like, oh, you know, the, the main marketing guy is not here. So, but you can tell me about your project. And I started talking and talking. And this lady was kind of like interested. But at the same time, she was like, well, how are you going to transport your car? And I'm like, uh, that's a good question. Like, I didn't have a way to transport my car. You know, I just thought I'll put my race car on the boat and then they bring it on the other side. And then I'll find a tow truck to pay. So she was like, well, until you don't have like something organized, you know, well, well project, I can't help you. So I'm like, huh. So I started looking online and I bought, I bought a tow truck. You bought one? Yeah. Okay. For 1,200 euros okay. in mainland Spain. Yeah. So from the island, I took my Toyota. I went like a, how's it called? A CUV, no? A, a RAV4. And I drove to the other island with a boat again. And then I did 34-hour boat to, this, to mainland Spain. And then I did seven hours to Salamanca where I bought the, the tow truck I put the car on the tow truck and then I went with the tow truck which was a tow truck of like 1971 was like and it was not doing more than 40 per hour so from there I went up to Con to Cantabria which is another like eight hours I sold my Toyota like I put another because there was a guy that he wanted a car from from mainland Spain so I thought oh so if you pay me the travels to there I'll bring you the race car Ah. You know, so yeah, I, yeah. I did the whole traveling thing to get my tow truck, but really I was paid to do it. And That's then I awesome. put his car on top and I got down 14 hours with the tow truck again. Toka, 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 toka. And then I took the 34 hour boat back home. And then I went in front of the boat place with the whole sponsor of the boat on my tow truck. And I said, Ha! My transport! And obviously she was just looking at this like 1971 tow half dead tow truck with like no tire, no brakes, you know, and she was like, I don't know why am I doing this, but, uh, and in the end they sponsored me, so... Hey, it worked. Yeah, but you see, if I knew it before, you know, and I should have organized it, but it's things that you learn on the way, and it's, and it's cool, I think. I like that. That's a good way to wrap things up. Just go for it. Um, where, uh, where can people follow along with all your adventures and uh, everything that you're up to? Uh, for sure, on Instagram, I think, is the one I mostly use and answer. <laughs> Facebook, everything. Christine GZ, everywhere. And Dynamic Racing, you can see everything about our team, which is pretty cool too. More professional than my Instagram. <laughs> my Instagram is a bit crazy. And that's it, yeah, website. Your website, yeah. Christine. Jizzy, Super easy. Consistency, yeah. I like it. Cool, well, this is fun. I had a, a really good time. I want to... <laughs> I was going to say, I want to, I want to start racing now, yeah. but uh, <laughs> I probably should just come to a race and check it out first. Yeah, you, you should, All for right. sure. Cool. If you survive, like, a Baja 1000, like, watching, just watching, then we can do it. Then, then we can talk. Okay. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you for doing this. Muchas gracias, everyone. All right. 
All right, that's it for today's show. Thank you to Chris for coming on the show. If you guys enjoyed that podcast, go ahead on over to iTunes, Stitcher, Overcast, Spotify, wherever you're listening to podcasts these days. Subscribe if you're not subscribed. Leave a rating and review if you like the show. It's the number one way we reach more people and help people find out about pushing their limits and doing something impossible. Also, check out impossiblegear.com. If you guys haven't started your impossible list, create an impossible list and start going off and checking things off it. When you do that, go get a shirt, wear your shirt while you're doing your impossible thing, and then send it in. I'll feature you on the site, on Instagram, all over the place. If you're going to get comfortable with being uncomfortable, you might as well be wearing awesome gear that's super comfortable. So check it out, impossiblegear.com, the best gear for pushing your limits and doing something impossible. Also, movewellapp.com, 10-minute mobility routines designed to help you get stronger, be faster, and start moving well. It's a completely free app to download, so check it out. Download it, give it a shot, and start doing 10 minutes of mobility a day no matter what. You're going to start feeling better immediately. I promise you that. And while it might be 10 minutes of torture, it's going to make you feel better throughout the day. So check it out, movewellapp.com. And finally, startablog.com, 10,000 people. We're helping you start a blog so you can start writing a better story with your life. Just go to startablog.com, click the button that says get a free blog, follow the instructions, and we will hook you up with a free blog plus $300 worth of bonuses. There's no catches. Just check it out, startablog.com. All right, guys, that is it for the show. If you want to follow me, on social media, you check me out at Joel Runyon on Instagram and Twitter. And you can check out Impossible HQ on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Impossible HQ. I'll have another episode for you guys, same time here next week. But until then, keep pushing your limits and do something impossible. <laughs>